We are in the fifth week of Easter. We're continuing looking at the book of Acts, and um, we're running a little short on time today. Um, so we're going to forego our community conversation and just dive right into this story, which is fascinating. It's so good. Uh, it's in the bulletin. It'll be up on the screen. Let's read along. Acts 8, 26 through 39. An angel from the Lord spoke to Philip, at noon, take the road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he did. Meanwhile, an Ethiopian man was on his way from Jerusalem, where he had come for worship, or he had come to worship. He was a eunuch and an official responsible for the entire treasury of Candace. Candace is the title given to uh, an Ethiopian queen. He was reading the prophet of Isaiah while sitting in his carriage. The spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. Running up to the carriage, Philip heard the man reading the prophet of Isaiah. He asked, do you really understand what you're reading? The man replied, without someone to guide me, how could I? Then he invited Philip to climb up and sit with him. This was the passage of scripture that he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Who can tell the story of his descendants because his life was taken from earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me about whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or someone else? Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? He ordered the, the, the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Lord's Spirit suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip found himself in Azotus. He traveled through the area preaching the good news in all cities until he reached Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. All right. Hey, hey, hey. That's what three cups of coffee will get you. All right, so I find this text just absolutely fascinating. And there's a lot of things that could be said about this. There's a lot of different ways we could preach this or, or talk about it. Um, it's strange, like, why did the Ethiopian go to Jerusalem in the first place? It's a 1,500-mile journey. That's like, that's like L.A. to Waco, okay, people? If you know that, all right. Waco's where I'm from in Texas, okay. Um, you know, where, how, did, how did this guy get a scroll? Like, he's in his carriage. He's got a scroll of Isaiah. That's, that's a, a rather expensive and strange thing to have uh, in somewhere in the desert. Then there's water in the desert, and then Philip disappears. He's just like, he's gone. Uh, so this story is very strange for a lot of reasons. Uh, but I kind of want to poke at some things that I uh, found interesting this week. Okay, so this, this guy, this eunuch that Philip comes across in the desert, um, eunuchs would have been excluded from the community of God. They would have been excluded. Deuteronomy 23.1 says, No one who is emasculated or has his male organ cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. So um, there are several different things to uh, say about eunuchs. Uh, at the time, there were uh, eunuchs that were considered celibate, so they could have been voluntarily eunuch. Uh, a eunuch could be someone that was 
um, born, born with some sort of uh, gender uh, nonconformity. Uh, there would be something that was different about their gender or ambiguous about their gender or sexuality. Uh, they were culturally excluded for this reason. So uh, they were culturally excluded in uh, the Roman Empire in the first century. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, even uh, Pliny the Elder, someone that you might have heard of, he was a philosopher and author in the first century, said terrible things about eunuchs. Um, so they were a, a group of people for several reasons that were culturally excluded and religiously excluded. So it's fascinating that this guy rides into Jerusalem in a carriage to go to the temple where he's excluded like he would he would go to the temple and we know that he once he got there he would have been rejected so this guy goes to jerusalem he's rejected and now he's on his way from being rejected in the temple for not conforming to um, certain gender or sexuality norms at the time uh, so what is this eunuch reading like he's reading the scroll of isaiah and the text says that he's reading chapter 53, uh, but I want to look at perhaps the same book just a few chapters later in Isaiah 56, and this perhaps is what he's also reading. The Lord says, act justly and do what is righteous, because my salvation is coming soon, and my righteousness will be revealed. Happy is the one who does this, the person who holds fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not making it impure, and avoids doing any evil. Don't let the immigrant who has joined with the Lord say, the Lord will exclude me from the people. And don't let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. The Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, choose what I desire and remain loyal to my covenant. In my temple and courts, I will give them a monument. I'm like emotional. Uh, a monument in a name better than sons and daughters. I will, give them, I will give to them an enduring name that won't be removed. To the immigrants who have joined me, serving me in my loving name, becoming my servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath without making it impure, and those who hold fast to my covenant, I will bring them to my holy mountain. I will bring them joy. God damn. All right. I will bring them joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their entirety, entirely burned offerings and sacrifices on my altar. My house will be known as a house of prayer for all peoples, says the Lord God, who gathers. Sorry, I'm really sorry. I'm, this is very strange. Um, who gathers Israel's outcasts. I will gather <clears throat> still others to those who have already gathered. Um, man, if my emotion doesn't say um, it all. <laughs> uh, this person is exclude I mean he's coming from being rejected in the temple and he has <laughs> he has this text that says why why am I rejected this text says that you know the Lord will make a monument for me and you know perhaps he's coming from the temple where uh, the people of God have rejected this person um, Anyone who says, I think the Bible isn't relevant today, I think um, hasn't really read, read the Bible. I think it's incredibly relevant. Um, uh, we, we tend to reject uh, a lot of people in, in our culture uh, today. We, we reject a lot of people because um, the Bible perhaps says we should reject them, right? 
the scripture says that this eunuch should be rejected from the temple. So he's rejected from the temple. But the scripture also says that God is making this person and all of Israel's outcasts. The Lord God gathers all Israel's outcasts. Uh, what does it say about God when our scripture says that God gathers all of our outcasts? I think it challenges um, what we naturally do, which is cast people out. It's really easy to do. So this, Ethi this Ethiopian eunuch, he's rejected by culture, he's rejected by religion, he's rejected by scripture. Perhaps they said something to him at the temple like, it's nothing personal, um, the Bible just says so. Um, so he leaves rejected, scroll in hand, and now he's traveling back home, it's a long journey, and uh, f comes across Philip. Philip's called by God to, to go out and uh, find this guy in the desert, and uh, he, uh, sorry, um, I want to I wanna kind of, before I get there, I want to talk a little bit more about the, um, what the eunuch is perhaps uh, reading now. Um, like a sheep led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was taken away from him. Um, I think in some ways the eunuch is, is looking at this text that uh, is in Isaiah 53, and he's saying, you know, justice, justice has been taken from me. Uh, the eunuch is not the only one who was rejected in this text. Philip who finds the eunuch in the desert was himself rejected. He was rejected by the disciples and apostles in Jerusalem who are hanging out in Jerusalem. And uh, I, have a new I had a New Testament professor at Fuller who, who wrote this about um, the story. And he says, remember that Jesus had commissioned the 12 apostles. They were devoted to word and prayer according to Acts 1, but so much so that when a dispute arose over how to distribute food, they punted in Acts 6. It did not occur to them, that Jesus, uh, to them that Jesus, who appeared to them as one who serves the table, was to be their model. Readers who have dialed into Jesus' upside-down kingdom, the place where servants rule, would know to keep an eye out for the table servers. They would not be taken off guard when Acts unfolds with the surprising storyline that those who were commissioned to go from Jerusalem to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth simply hang out in Jerusalem while everybody else gets pushed into the mission of God in Judea and Samaria by persecution in Acts 8. So in Acts 8, we pick up with one of these table servers, Philip, who was sent far from the controversies of the food distribution in his navigation of linguistic and cultural tensions. He first brings the gospel to Samaria in Acts 8, in fulfillment, in fulfillment of Jesus' promise and command in Acts 1, and then the Spirit sends him to this peculiar eunuch who will carry the message into Africa. The deacon, as some interpret his role, turns out to be the one true apostle. Philip is rejected, sent from Jerusalem, where all the great apostles are arguing about food and table manners and it's actually the one who's rejected that has this experience of transformation by god with an outsider who god is gathering into the people of god it's those who that who are rejected that experience the divine i think this is kind of scary um 
it's a scary thing about life because I think we can easily miss the point and we can get distracted. We can argue about unimportant things and we can get left behind to our own devices and actually miss the expansive love of God that will continue without us. I think this is what love generally does. It takes us out of our comfort zones. It always pushes us further or it leaves us. It will go on without us. Love throws religion and scripture out the window in favor of an expansive, transformative encounter with the human. Human encounters are nerve-wracking. Um, heck, I think we barely enjoy hanging out with our own families most of the time. Um, I mean, I know you all probably love getting together with your families, for th your loved ones for Thanksgiving. Um, but human encounters in culture, with cultural and religious outsiders I mean, that's almost unheard of still 2,000 years later. Um, I mean, we, we get together with outsiders if we want like a political fight or um, if there's pundits with differing perspectives that are arguing on TV for cash or something. Um, but are we perpetuating divisive ideologies when we encounter people? Um, I think more accurately it would be, uh, the question should be, what divisive ideologies and prejudices are we perpetuating today? In this chapter, or in this uh, verse uh, that we have in the lectionary, even Philip then goes on to preach to the man, but we don't even hear what Philip says. It's, it's, it's almost as if the preaching, what Philip says, is rather unimportant. We know that he gives him good news. Good news to someone like the eunuch who's received nothing but bad news. So Philip stays in the chariot with him, which I think shows that presence oftentimes says more than our words ever can. Baptism. They come across some water in the desert, which would be rather strange. Uh, they come across water in the desert, and it's not Philip who suggests that the eunuch get baptized. Like, hey, come on. It's actually the eunuch that sees himself already uh, available to the work and community of God. And he says, what prevents me from being baptized into God's community? And if you look closely, there's no verse 37. It goes 36 to 38. There's no Acts 37, uh, 837. Um, and it's almost as if this absence, this divine absence, this silence of what prevents me from being baptized into God's community says more than any verse 37 ever could. It's, it's this divine absence, it's this divine silence that says actually nothing prevents this person from being baptized into the community of God. They, Philip just then goes and, and baptizes them. There's nothing there. The inclusivity of God celebrates everybody's body. It says that every person is valued, no one is excluded into the community of humanity and the body of Christ. Everyone's gender and sexuality is accepted and included. Love tears down the walls of even the holy scripture that religious people cling to. So where are we being pulled today? Where are we being, what are we clinging to? What cultural prejudices about people of other cultures are we holding on to? What hatred toward people of differing political ideologies are we holding on to? When we experience rejection ourselves, 
do we continue to choose life? Because I think that's, that's one thing that exists here in this text is that uh, both the eunuch who is rejected and Philip who is rejected, are, they're still affirming life. They're, they're going forward with God in the midst of that rejection. The eunuch says, uh, you know, I, I'm in my humiliation. I'm protesting to God. Do we have that spirit of protest to God for justice in a world of corruption? May we continue to choose life and see living waters of hope in the desert. May we be called to the fringes by the Spirit of God to transformative encounters with those who we may not like but need. May the Spirit of God show us this morning that we need our sisters and brothers because they share to us the divine. And may we consider people, and as the people who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, may we continually ask ourselves, how could this baptism be open for all people if our hearts are not? Let's pray. Uh, loving God, we thank you for this text that uh, continues to stretch us and speak to us and uh, challenge us in ways that may be unsurprising, challenge us in ways that um, may be uh, painful or emotional. Um, in all of it, we thank you in gratitude for um, this text that is as relevant today as it, as it was um, when it was written. And we just pray that your transformative work and your truth penetrates our very bones um, so that we could leave this place uh, transformed into your love. In Jesus' name, amen.